Okay, I'm doing two readings this morning from Isaiah. One I'm repeating from last week, which is lovely. It's one of my favorites at the moment. So we're reading from Isaiah 7, 10 to 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And the second reading is Isaiah 9, <clears throat> verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He has enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at a harvest as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of the Midian defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Right, Advent. Okay, we are gonna be looking at those, well, I'm really looking at the whole of Isaiah 7 to sort of, it's really to chapter 12, this section of Isaiah. So if you have a Bible, uh, beginning at Isaiah 7 really, uh, Christmas is a, a really wonderful time of year, isn't it? There's something extremely special about the birth of Jesus. But I probably we would all agree, I think, that there's, there's no doubt some of our Christmas celebrations have somewhat dressed the Christmas story in a coziness that forgets what actually happened. Uh, it would, the Christmas story was not all warmth and cheer. It was not all halos and hallelujahs. Advent actually reminds us of that because Advent is about longing. It's about the world's longing for a savior because of the world's great need. And today we as well, we long for the light of Jesus Christ because we are still aware, aren't we, of the darkness around us and in us. In other words, we too, we long to be saved because we know that we need saving. Now, one of the passages that we often quote at Christmas, and we conveniently forget the context of the surrounding verses, 
is Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Excellent. But those verses are part of a much wider section, as I say, it's basically chapters 7 to 12 of Isaiah. And that whole section is, isn't all such pleasant reading. Uh, but it is exactly that. It, it is this stark context of struggle uh, and destruction, really, that explains why, when God promised a child to save us, why that was such good news. The promise of the child was spoken in Isaiah 7. Um, now, this chapter is a chapter full of strong emotions on God's part. God is fed up in this, in this passage fed up with the cruelty, the ongoing injustice and greed and violence and sin of the people. Uh, this was, it was set in the, around the uh, 7th century BC. That's right, isn't it? 7th, 8th century? 8th century BC. I, I should, when I said that, I thought, hang on a minute. Um, and, and at that time in, in history in, in Israel, those in power had become corrupt so that those in need, the poor, the orphans, the widows, had been forgotten. And if there's anything that gets God angry in the Bible, it's when the poor and the weak and the vulnerable in society are being trampled on. And in Isaiah's day, the point is this had been happening for a long time, over and over and over again. And God had spoken to them about it over and over again. And they'd gone after other gods and all sorts of stuff. And at this point, Isaiah, the prophet, comes and God kinds of tells the people that it's reached the point where it's just going to all come crashing down on. But interestingly, the strength of God's feeling in Isaiah 7, for example, is not only heard in him being so fed up with what's happened. The strength of God's feeling is also heard in the strength of his mercy. There is a kind of stubbornness and insistence to God's determination that he will save the world from its folly. God's grace, in other words, in, in Isaiah, has a fierceness of its own. His goodness, his grace, his mercy is fierce as well. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, we read Isaiah 9 again earlier, and at the end of that lovely passage about a child, a son, unto you a child is born, a son is given, at the end it said, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That word zeal, God is passionate to save the world. Um, and that's what that's what I wanted to think about as well. If there's any, um, as I say, this 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 emotion of God in these these passages also applies to His promise that a son would be born. God is stirred up. Listen to this in uh, again in Isaiah seven ten to fourteen. The Lord spoke to King Ahaz, "Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights." But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test, which we might think is a pretty good answer. But then Isaiah says, hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. So, I, I mean, it's an incredible passage. Ask me, ask for a sign from me, God says. I, I'll prove to you I'm going to save you and you don't need to be afraid. And Ahaz, King Ahaz replies, no, 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 it's not right to demand a sign from God. Um, and we might think, well, yeah, quite right. But what I love about it is God says, well, you're going to get a sign anyway, because you absolutely need one. And he says, you know, do you know what I mean? There's something unstoppable about God's goodness here. Things had got so bad 
that God seemed to be at the end of his tether, you know, speaking in human terms, of course, but in this surge of emotion where he's telling them how terrible it is and how awful the destruction is going to be, he then says, well, there's nothing I can do but save you. It's kind of, it kind of, here's your sign, whether you want one or not, whether you like one or not, whether you even ask one or not, I'm going to give you a sign. There will be a child born to a virgin and you're going to call him Emmanuel, meaning I am with you still. God is with you. So this whole section, in fact, I was thinking about this, you could say the whole book of Isaiah is like God saying, this is how annoyed I am about what you have become. And this is how determined I am to save you from it. Reading Isaiah is both terrifying and life-saving. It really is. It's that kind of book. And within it is this promise of this child who will be called Emmanuel. And what the prophet Isaiah then does, he kind of riffs on this name Emmanuel in in chapter 8, the next chapter. Now, our English translations miss it a little bit because in English, we don't know whether should we translate the name directly, Emmanuel, or should we translate it with its meaning, God with us. So the English translations tend to switch between the two and you miss it, that it's being repeated by the prophet. In Hebrew, it's always this same word, this name, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And what interests me is how the prophet Isaiah, he he speaks this name, Emmanuel, not in the midst of tranquility and joy, like our Christmas cards show, uh, but in the midst of a time of difficulty and turmoil and foolishness. Sometimes the prophet just almost forcing this name Emmanuel in where it's not expected. You just didn't see it coming. Sometimes in the middle of God saying judgment is coming on you and how they were going to be overrun. Jerusalem will be taken. And then all of a sudden this name Emmanuel is spoken again, almost out of nowhere. Not not even really as an explanation. That's what's so fascinating. Simply that this name just keeps appearing. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's going to be terrible, God's saying. Emmanuel, God's with you. And it's almost must have been quite baffling, I guess. So, for example, chapter eight, verse eight. uh, God, he's just said, because of this people, because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently. Therefore, the Lord is bringing up against it the mighty flood waters of the river, the king of Assyria and all his glory. It will rise up. In other words, they're going to be overwhelmed by Assyria. Uh, And he's picturing it as floodwaters. It will rise above its channels, overflow all its banks, he says. It will sweep on into Judah like a flood. Pouring over it, it will reach up to the neck. You're about to drown in this. And its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. Emmanuel. All of a sudden, out of these floodwaters that are nearly up to your, your mouth, this name comes again. Emmanuel. Chapter 8, verse 10. Band together, you peoples, and be dismayed. God's kind of addressing the whole world now. Listen, all you far countries. Gird yourselves and be dismayed. Gird yourselves and be dismayed. Take counsel together, but it will be brought to nothing. Speak a word, it will not stand. For Emmanuel. There we are. Isaiah, he's he's painting there a picture of the whole world in turmoil, not knowing what, what it's doing. Its plans coming to nothing because of God. And in the middle... Isaiah just keeps shouting, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God is with us. We, of course, know Emmanuel is the name of Jesus. So it's as if Jesus's name interrupts the darkness with light, even when we least expect it. When God's emotions are, are stirred up, the strongest emotion of all is God's passion to save us. 
Now, and that's what I want us to think about today, and I hope you find comfort in that truth. There is a lot that God must get frustrated about when he looks at us as a human race. There's a lot in the world today that troubles us and must trouble God even more. Conflicts, injustice, corruption, greed, poverty, violence. But that's why Advent is a time, I think, where we mustn't miss this opportunity. Remember Isaiah's day. And remember that, it, it, you know, it was not all sweetness and light. It was not all a bed of roses. It wasn't all Christmas cards. Christmas cards are fine. I'm, please don't get me wrong. But remember Isaiah's day. And remember that the thing that God was most stubborn about, more than anything else that he's stubborn about, shall we say, is saving us. His grace, God's grace, is the most persistent thing in the world. So that even in thick darkness, this name, this light was heard, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, we would be lost without that. We would have no hope if it wasn't for that stubbornness of God's grace, his determination to save us. The, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. He's going to do it, whether we've asked for a sign or not. He says, I'm giving you a sign. I'm going to give you a child, Emmanuel. Uh, Romans 5 where even where sin abounds, Romans 5 says, God's grace will abound all the more. And in our own lives, perhaps we've come to Advent not feeling great. You know, maybe we've come to Advent this year with a lot of troubles of our own. You know, Advent reminds us that the birth of Jesus and therefore the Christmas celebrations each year, they're not about kind of pretending everything's Everything's rosy, you know, and everything's cozy. And that Christmas isn't like we've got to force ourselves to feel happy when we're actually really struggling and suffering. Advent, remember, Advent is about longing. It's about knowing the need in us, around us, and crying out to God. Yes, of course, it's the celebration. It is. Unto us a child has been born. Absolutely. But for some people every single year, that a child is born for you, that comes in the context of weeping, mourning, struggling, feeling anxious and troubled. But the thing is, this is what Advent is for that time. It is exactly for that. It is for the struggling, Advent is. Advent is like the psalmist saying, how long, O Lord? It is like, a bit like, you know, think about, you know, ask me for a sign. In a way, Advent is those times when we say, Lord, I need a sign. I need to know that you have not given up on me. In Isaiah's day, it was into that darkness, that turmoil, that this promise came, a child will be born who is called Emmanuel. God is with us. So in our world today, where we hardly know what to pray half the time, do we? Or what to think even, or to make sense of it all, Perhaps in your own life, if you are going through a time where it feels like that picture of floodwaters and they're up to your neck, and if they get any deeper, you don't know what you're going to do. Well, if you only hear one thing this Advent, hear exactly what Isaiah heard, the name Emmanuel, which means God is with you. God will save you. Jesus is your hope no matter what. No matter what the, the difficulty is, God's grace is even more stubborn than the troubles you have. His love is more strong than those troubles. His presence is more real and concrete and lasting 
than anything else you're feeling or experiencing or going through or know about or don't know about. God's love is stronger and more everlasting. So today God gives us and gives the world the same name, the same sign as he did in Isaiah's day, Emmanuel. And we can say that child has been born now, Emmanuel, Jesus. God is with us, our saviour.